Welcome, welcome to Essential Dynamics. I'm Reed McCollum, your pod host and know nothing. I'm here with Derek Hudson, former CEO and present thinker, who's going to tell us a little bit about uh, some of the lessons he has learned in business. And Derek, welcome. Hey, Reed. Thanks a lot. This is very exciting. I'm. I can't believe we're doing a podcast. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I like it's it. It's very too. cool. Uh, just some background here, Derek. Uh, we've known each other for. Uh, well, a lifetime, uh, certainly. We've, we've lived about five houses apart when we were children and uh, have, have 50 years since then uh, of uh, friendship and, uh, and admiration on my, on my end, certainly. And uh, one of the things I don't know a lot about is uh, business history. And I'm, I'm not sure, Derek, uh, what... What are your qualifications in business? Yeah. Well, I actually have um, three professional designations. Okay, I'd like to hear them. Yeah, so I'm a chartered accountant and chartered professional accountant. Only had to write one set of exams to get both. But <laughs> that's that's the way this the accounting profession is now. I'm also a certified management consultant, and I have a degree in business from the University of Alberta. And you've been a CEO and a CFO. What's the difference between a, a chief? executive officer and a chief financial officer. Oh, there's a there's a big difference between CFO and CEO. And then I've also been a chief operating officer. Chief financial officer, it's a really interesting position because you have the full breadth of responsibility for the company. You see all of it, but you always have this financial lens, this risk management lens, this cash flow lens. And the CEO obviously has to really work on the relationships with a multitude of stakeholders. Those two, those two responsibilities are not the same. The CEO and the CFO work, work well together. When they work well together, it's a fantastic relationship. And I had two CEOs that I worked with as CFO or COO that uh, I think we really complemented each other. So that was super interesting for me and I learned a lot. What have you learned now that we're going to share in Essential Dynamics? Let me just uh, start by a couple of things about my journey. One is that the the pandemic created an opportunity for a lot of us to step back, right? Yes. We had a little more time on our hands, a little more time to be thoughtful. For me, it also coincided with the start of my second round of consulting. I see. On April 1st, my employment ended and I started my, my um, own business as a consultant. Um, that's the second time I've done that. So right at the height, right at the beginning. Right at the very beginning, I had a lot of time on my hands. And you know, and it, and it occurred to me early on, early, I heard someone probably in April say that uh, Isaac Newton had to uh, step away from his studies, I think it was at Cambridge University, in 1665. And he went back to the family estate, and while he was there, he discovered or perfected calculus and did his initial work on the laws of gravitation. So I thought if I could spend some time this summer thinking about things, I don't think I would change the world of physics, but I might make some progress in uh, how I approach things, and maybe there's some value there. 1665, wouldn't that be during a plague of its own? It was the London, Great London Plague of London, yeah. So, all right, right. take it. you're so, taking a cue from Isaac Newton, that's great. So, so take advantage of that. The other thing is that a uh, good friend and colleague of mine, Bruce Alton, who was also an independent consultant. Uh, we were chatting early in the pandemic, and he said, you know, Derek, people will hire you 
that know you because they know like how you think and you know how you could help them. Yes. The question for you is how do you explain what you do to people who don't know you? Right. So I spent some time trying to figure out what, how do I think, how do I solve problems? How would I explain that to someone else? And over the course of weeks and months, I came up with something which I later called essential dynamics. And I, th- I found it, I find it so interesting to talk about that. I thought, well, let's, let's get me out of my head and into a room with smart people and see what we can learn from this stuff. Well, instead you're in a room with me, but I see you as a different, from a different uh, perspective, Derek, because I know you as a, a friend, a longtime friend, and also a, a father of four and, um, and uh, a leader in the community. What I don't see, because I haven't been there with you in your businesses, is how you operate as a businessman. And I don't know much. Uh, our our uh, careers haven't overlapped. Uh, I don't know much about what you've been through. And uh, I really would like to know how business works. And you have a real perspective on that. Uh, you think essential dynamics would be applicable to anyone well so that's the thing that surprised me this summer is what i what i set out to do was to figure out how i think about businesses and i have this idea of uh, every business has a business model there's some like key inputs and processes and outputs and and most businesses could be explained quite simply they tend not to be explained simply but yes. it's really great to understand your business model and I'm interested in strategy and execution. And so I'm thinking about those things. And I come up with the elements of essential dynamics. And then I start applying them to real simple situations in a family or a person's life. And I went, wow, I think there's some value here that goes way beyond business. Although I really do like to, th- to bring it back to business because business or maybe more broadly speaking, how we run organizations is um, clearly a big challenge that we have in our society today. It's hard to do the right thing. It's hard to figure out what to do. We spend a lot of time talking about what to do. Spend a lot of time criticizing organizations for doing the wrong thing. And maybe there's some value in stepping back, thinking more clearly, dealing with some basic principles, and then moving forward with better organizations. What's the definition of a right thing in business. Is it always financial? Uh, It can't be. It can't be. Um, In fact, when we get to it, I'm going to talk about the fact that most organizations have at least two separate and distinct purposes. And of those, only one can be about making money. It may not be. Um, Making money, it's it's great because it's a bit of a scorecard. Yeah. Um, Certainly socially, that's how things are... Uh, measured. That's right. Um, and you do need to be able to pay your bills and survive. Yes. You know, that's very important. So that's personal in that sense. But um, most of what we do as human beings, I think, is because we're trying to do something meaningful. So a business, by extension, should do something meaningful? Well, if the business doesn't do something meaningful, then at least the people in the business have to find some meaning ah. or there's, or there's no resilience in the business. When things get tough, then everyone's going to bail one way or the other, whether they leave or not is a different story. But well, let's go further with that. What is 
then the definition of success for any business is if it's not just financial. Well, one of the ways, one of the things I learned this spring is I was talking to a number of uh, people who own their own companies and um, they were, they were uh, dealing with the pandemic and it was, you know, they were in tough spots. Some of them, it was, it was challenging. The but, business or the person? Well, see, that's the thing. That's the thing that I realized is that the business and the person aren't the same. Even if it's a company that's got one owner, he's been running it for 15 or 20 years. The needs of the business and the needs of the owner maybe have diverged. I see. And so that was one of the things that helped me realize that, that you know, there's some pieces that I didn't have together that I needed to understand. Um, you talked about some of the challenges that I've had in my business career, and we'll probably get into this. But for seven years, I was with Edmonton Economic Development Corporation. Yes. It's owned by the city of Edmonton, and the shareholder is actually the city council of, uh, of the city of Edmonton. Um, that's, we, like, we read about them all the time. They have a difficult time making difficult decisions. And they're all elected. They're elected. They're accountable once every four years. In the, in the interim, they're on their own. There's actually 13 different political views on council. There's no parties. And uh, so I was, I needed to kind of dis- decipher what uh, direction was coming from them. And in between the shareholder and the company was a board of directors. So very, very complex environment. Don't they all have divergent, like you say, uh, divergent points of view and, di- and different uh, agendas? Different agendas, yeah. So that's, we'll get into that as we unpack essential dynamics. Okay. But this idea of having multiple agendas, multiple uh, purposes is, uh, is part of it. Good. Sure. Good. I'm glad because I don't know how to reconcile those. Well, you know, I'll just give you a hint. One of the things that I've learned is that if you can take, first of all, expose the multiple, I don't, I don't like using the word agendas, but the, the various purposes of an organization or a project or mm-hmm, whatever, mm-hmm. if you can expose them, and then take responsibility for all of it. Um, then, then you can be creative because you've got this tension. I've got these different forces I have to play with um, to accomplish something good, as opposed to what we see in the political environment generally today in Western society, where we're getting more and more partisan, more polarized. Yes. And, uh, and people pick a side. Right. I mean, I'll just, I'll just use an example of uh, environmental responsibility. Okay. It's really easy to chain yourself to a tree and say, I don't think any tree should be cut down. Okay. I think it's also easy to cut down every tree you see and sell it. Mm-hmm. What's hard is to figure out how to create value for people in terms of building materials, pulp and paper, economic activity, jobs, and preserve, you know, the environment so that you can do that economic activity forever and ever. And so that you've got, you know, carbon dioxide scrubbing and a nice place to walk. So you're finding a median? Are you a, are you a mediator? Well, see, the thing is, is that if you have responsibility for both sides, right, then it's, it's not mediation, it's creation in Uh my mind. It's creativity. Okay. I'll buy that. All right. So you talked about purposes rather than, say, of agenda. Uh, what happens when you have conflicting purposes? 
uh, from the business and the employee. Say the employee, the person working in that business, may have uh, a different agenda or purpose. Uh, again, let's avoid the word agenda. What happens when they don't meet? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I think that's what human resource departments like and managers spend all their time trying to trying to do is how how can I get these people to think like the way the company wants them to think? Right, right. I think about it uh, in a few different ways. One is that if you have an organization, typically you have some control over the people that you bring in. Oh. So if you're clear about the purposes that you have, then you can help people determine whether they fit those purposes or not um, before they even apply to work in your organization. Yes, I see that. If you're not clear, then you get what you get. Right. Working from a theatrical background, I'm thinking uh, auditioning for a play. If I'm the director, my, my responsibility is casting well. Is that applicable to what you're saying? Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, a lot of uh, the material that I'm, I can't quote, you know, talks about you can train people, you can give them new skills, you can't get in their head and change, you know, their sense of meaning or purpose. So you want to get alignment and then you can train people how to do stuff. So I, you know, and I, and I, I can say that I experienced that working at Edmonton economic development. Okay. Because when we ask people in interviews, why do you want to work here? They would always say, I love this town. You know, it's so cool what you do in Edmonton. I just want to be part of it. And the cool thing is that was for positions in accounts payable. Or receptionist, <laughs> as well as tourism promotion. Sure. So you hope that because they've expressed a love for the place, that they have a love for the business that promotes the place. Well, that's the first step, right? Okay. Like you can't sell what you don't believe in. So for me as a chief financial officer, if you want to go back a little bit further, I realized that um, when I was looking for, I was looking for a CFO job in the tech industry in the mid nineties. Uh-huh. And uh, I realized that, I wasn't going to invent the new product. It was kind of disappointing to me. <laughs> um, that I wasn't going to create the amazing new technology. So any organization that I worked at, I had to really feel great about the product because I wasn't going to be creating it. But I would then, you know, be responsible for a lot of it and I needed to uh, be able to throw my passion in to the, to the purpose of the organization. So when I found Microline, And they were doing, you know, world-class, super small, tiny micro-machining stuff. Then uh, I thought this is the, this is the place for me. And I was there for 13 years. It was, it was fantastic. And yet you didn't actually invent or, or uh, create a product. You know, one of my disappointments was in 13 and a half years there, I was early on, I thought it would be cool if I got my name on a patent. (laughs) Never happened. I got my name on a lot of stuff. Let yeah. me tell you. There's a lot of checks with my signature on them, but no patents. I understand. So how do you, how do you create an enthusiasm for the product if the product is widgets? How do, how, do you, how do the employees maintain a pride in what they are doing? So that goes to this question of multiple purposes. Yeah. So... You know, here's an example that I've used to try and explain this, and I'll probably get the story wrong, but I think you've heard it. Guy walking down a street in Europe, and he sees a bricklayer, and he says, what are you doing? And the guy says, I put this brick on top of that brick, and then I put that one on top of that one. I do that all day. Goes a little bit further, he sees another bricklayer working on the same wall, and he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a building. 
okay, the guy's got a higher sense of perspective. Carries on down, sees the third guy, and asks him, what are you doing? And he says, I'm building a cathedral to my God. Not all of us are actually building cathedrals. Maybe we're just making widgets. Yeah. Um, and there might, but there might be some meaning in that. Yes. And the meaning might just be that you're providing for a family that you love. And if you can get that straight in your head, then that's, that might be all that you need. And I think that you see that, I think we see that in our community with new Canadians, like generations of new Canadians who come with, you know, advanced degrees and they do the job that they have to do so that their kids can go to school here and, and get a degree in English and be comfortable in this culture and then away they go. So I, I think it can be done. There, there's, you can't force that on employees. You want to create that environment. But if to the extent that as an individual, you can, you can create meaning in all kinds of things. And if you can do that, then it just isn't as hard anymore. One of the things I'm going to talk about in addition to multiple purposes is this idea of drivers and constraints. And when you have a person or an organization that has this sustainable driver, this innate need to do something, there's real power in that. You don't need, you don't, you don't need management systems. You can't create that. And read as one of the reasons I want to do this with you is because you come from this creative side. You have a drive to create. Tell me about, I'm going to switch channels here. Tell me about that. And in the sense of where do you get your motivation to write or act? Well, it is ephemeral, isn't it? It becomes part of uh, one's own mission statement. What do I want to achieve in my life? I've always been drawn to the creative and, and uh, not so much to the business and, and in fact have stuck my head in the sand about a lot of business principles. Uh, that may not have been a great uh, career move on my part, but as, especially as I moved into management of, of uh, theatre uh, companies. But I do feel that we have something in common in that I do have now a lot of questions about how... Uh, those purposes can be aligned and how do you as a leader make those things happen and i'm really looking forward to talking to them talking to you about them because your perspective is very different than mine and yet uh valuable because what we're talking about today and what we've just been uh, discussing in this podcast uh, is really an introduction to uh, to a lot of thoughts and histories that we are going to explore and uh, i'm I'm very pleased about that because I haven't had that option for some time. Well, I'm excited to have this conversation and I'm excited about the next episode because I think we're going to share the one thing that I know people can't unlearn after they hear it. Okay, I want to hear that. That's probably a good place to uh, put, a, put a sock in it for now. You're listening to Essential Dynamics. I'm Reed McCollum and I'm with Derek Hudson, but you really need to remember the name Reed McCollum because I'll be here next time, and so will Derek, and we will learn more about the principles that make this world happen. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next time. Take care, Reed.